right, guys, before we crank up a new hour, this seems to be becoming a thing. Uh, the Bucknell swim team uh, is trying to distract players let's, let's at the free throw line. Let's end it as a thing. Get some abs, man. It's definition. Maybe you walk around with your shirt off and you don't got no shadows on your body. <laughs> Get you a shadow. Oh, there go. That guy, that guy. Has I don't know. Some of them had What abs, are we doing right? here? I mean, what, what is this is? Yeah. It worked, right? That guy shot an air ball. Now he made it anyway. I mean, I, I want to win as much as the next guy, but I ain't going to shake my booty for you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I got nothing on this. Yeah, let's not. I'm out. Not only do we need to stop that, maybe the best way to stop it is we should treat them like streakers. Yeah. We should stop showing them. <laughs> <laughs> we should stop showing them on this show. All right, with that, we welcome you back to Get Up Live from the Seaport, brought to you by Chase. What an extraordinary morning we got working here, and let's keep rolling. The next game is called Fact mm. or Fiction. Oh. Dominique, if I said Patrick Mahomes is already the GOAT, is that fact or fiction? I think it's fact. Like, I, I understand that we can do ring counting, but, like, the things that I've seen him accomplish at this early point in his career, and he's probably done it long enough already to be in that conversation, and he has a lot more career left. So maybe he catches Brady in championships, or maybe he doesn't, but I've never seen anyone better than this. Okay, fair enough. Uh, I don't agree, but I appreciate your opinion. Uh, Graz, Andy Reid, if I said he has already surpassed Bill Belichick as the GOAT, is that fact or fiction? I I gotta go with fiction. I know we're not supposed to count rings, but uh, but in this case I am, and he's halfway there. Look, he's made it a conversation, which is which is an incredible accomplishment when you think about the fact that they're contemporaries. And if Reed had won one or two in Philadelphia, then we probably wouldn't be having the conversation. We probably would just say it's him. Of course, well, he'd won one or two in Philadelphia. He would never have gone to Kansas, Kansas City. City. <laughs> exactly right. Uh, Jeffrey, if I said the Chiefs are going to become the first team ever to win three straight Super Bowls, is that fact or fiction? Fact. That's already is, baby. Already posted. Let's make this thing happen. <laughs> never be an underdog, Pat Mahone. I'm with you. I'm 100% in. Let's make it happen. Three-peat. We will celebrate it. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> he does know what you're saying yeah. because a lot of people might shy away from that conversation, particularly in the immediate aftermath of winning their second championship, but Mahomes is not. It's legendary. I mean, just um, to be able to – no one's ever done it. And uh, we knew it's legendary to win back-to-back. -back. I think eight other teams have done it. I mean, all you can do is come back next year with a fresh mindset, knowing it's going to be even harder. And uh, we got to continue to play our best football. Uh, we'll celebrate these next few weeks, and then we'll get right back at it. Last night on the podium, you said Kansas City should never be an underdog. Chiefs should never be an underdog. Right now, already, day after the Super Bowl, they are not the favorites for next year. <laughs> what are you telling people to bet on for the Chiefs for next year? Um, I never feel like we're underdogs. I believe we can win any game that we play in, but we have to continue to prove that every single year. You just can't ask for a better perspective from a person in his position than he has. The laugh, though. The, yeah. <laughs> that, that yeah. Just like, okay, cool. Well, <laughs> you know, if, if, if that has him running a few more stadium steps or whatever yeah. the equivalent of that are during the offseason, then so Ooh. be it. But the bottom line of it is this. I made this comparison earlier because three-peats are exceedingly rare yeah. in the history of American professional sports. We've had it a few times in baseball. We've had hockey every now and again, but we haven't seen anyone do this in a very long time. And in football, of course, in the Super Bowl era, yeah. it has never happened. Well, you go back to Michael Jordan and those Bulls where they're two separate three-peats. The amount of pressure, the amount of angst that was created yeah. during that. I mean, I was there. I had a front row seat to it every single day. When they won their first one, I've never seen people so happy. I've never seen such unbridled joy. And by the second one, which is what this play came from, and their third one, those locker room celebrations, Jeff, I was there. That's the first one. This is him after winning the first one. 
This is him after, well, this is the first one after he came back. But the point of it is, the difference in the first one from the second and the third, the third celebration was a celebration of relief. Yeah. They were so relieved to have done it because the pressure on them was so great. Does that happen with the Chiefs now? And if so, how does that affect them? No, listen, the expectations for Michael Jordan and in basketball was that this was going to happen. In football, it has never happened. And we've seen, you know, the Patriots try to do it 20 years ago. But the, the way that Patrick Mahomes manages not only himself but his team, allows everybody to flourish, right? He takes everything on himself. He can handle the pressure, right? He does, he's not worried about it. I mean, we see it in balls that should be caught that he says, you know what, I'm going to throw it a yard shorter next time. And then he does it in the AFC Championship game. He pulls the ball down in fourth and one instead of giving somebody an opportunity to possibly make a mistake. He makes that play. I think when you think about Patrick Mahomes and the way that he goes about leading his organization, it takes the pressure off of everybody else. Go be you man I want you to go be we're gonna work hard we're gonna be that but the expectation th this will surpass any expectation that any of us had right. in football if they're capable of doing this I hear you for the record when Jordan and the Bulls went for that first three-peat it hadn't been done in the sport since the 60s right it hadn't been done since the Celtics the expectation of it the weight of it was palpable. You could feel it around them at all times. And I just wonder, this is a different conversation now. A lot of teams have won back-to-back -back championships. And to the point that Graz made earlier, like on Christmas Day, this team was left for dead. Agreed. No one was talking about the That's pressure on them to win a Super Bowl. The pressure, especially with the way they're talking, starts right, right. now yeah. for them to win again. Right. And But, I mean, I think that what happened is you talk about those Bulls teams and there's a lot of external expectations, right? If they hadn't won those titles, they would have been viewed as a disappointment. Whereas the Chiefs, I was in the locker room Sunday and also last year. It was not a feeling of relief. It was a feeling of accomplishment and satisfaction in that accomplishment because they, what they overcame was not necessarily external expectations as much as their own struggles, right? They with All through the year, right, the offense was not getting going. They couldn't figure it out. They lose to the Raiders and look lifeless, really, on Christmas Day, yeah. uh, which was right before the end of the season, right before the playoffs were going to start. So they felt like uh, we, the work we did, the patience we showed with ourselves, the belief we maintained in ourselves, that all paid off, and that's an accomplishment. I, I and we don't care what anybody else is saying. I think the it. point that Greeny is making and it's yeah. a good one is that this third three-peat it's going to be different is it because last year we didn't expect it from them and we were like oh they got rid of Tyreek Hill this is a right. rebuilding situation and they got there and they did it we're like cool this year they struggle all season and they get there and they do it and we're like that's amazing now since we know history is riding on this no one's ever done it reminds me a little bit of the Patriots undefeated season where every week after it becomes a bigger deal this whole this following season is going to be all about the storyline for the following season is going to be will Patrick Mahomes do something that no quarterback has ever done in NFL yeah. history the pressure changes if anybody can handle it they can they've shown that they can handle anything from not having great receivers to adding a pop star to their team essentially right. the right. pop star to their team so I think they can but the pressure that they're going to feel the external pressure it's going up it's interesting so you think they'd be better off having a little bit of a rough start and then overcoming that. <laughs> That's what we like saw that this year. Lying in the weeds, That's right? That's what we yeah, saw yeah, this year. So, so let me say this, too. Against the Eagles, I'm pretty sure they were underdogs. Yeah, they Against were. the 49ers, they were they're underdogs, right? Yeah. So, so like, let's make sure we're framing the right way, right? Is that these expectations that you're talking about for the Bulls and for the, the, these same questions will happen next year for the Chiefs. They potentially could be an underdog again. It's just them overcoming because it doesn't matter. I think that's where is it, it, does pressure build? Absolutely. But it's just such a different mindset 
mindset from them. I remember during the Bengals Super Bowl run, I remember a comment from Joe Burrow. They asked him about his confidence, and he said, my confidence comes from my preparation. I think you see a lot of the same stuff with the Chiefs, with Mahomes. I think that little laugh there at that question about how they're not Super Bowl favorites is like, great, fine. I, we might not win the Super Bowl, but I know that you shouldn't count us out. Like, like, like we've been through this before. And, and I think that's the key with Patrick Mahomes. I think his confidence, obviously immense talent, talent on a level we've never seen, but also the preparation he puts in. He believes, after that Raider game, what, he did that weird press conference where he kept saying the same thing over and over again. Once we clean it up, he said, yeah. clean it up like 20 times. Once we clean it up, we'll be fine. And that was like, he was, he was determined. Like, well, I know what sorry. we can do. I'm sorry to keep going to basketball, but I feel like it's the only place we can go for these comparisons. But it does remind me of LeBron in some ways in that we knew immediately, very early on, yes. that we're counting titles for LeBron. And the pressure on his teammates and the pressure on him is very different. We're already at that stage for Patrick Mahomes. This following season gives him a chance to separate himself from Tom Brady in a way that he may not be able to in rings total. But I do think that means there's going to be a pressure, whether they accept mm. it or not, on him and his team going forward to give him a chance to do well, that. Let's then talk about the stuff that they're going to have to deal with first. And I heard Andy say it the other day, and everyone knows it, the team's not coming back intact. No. Changes are going to be made. There's some players they're going to have to try and bring back. You were talking earlier about re-signing Chris Jones, which I think feels critical. Absolutely. It's a complicated one. Is this a team that players are going to take less money to be on in order to try and win the champion. I absolutely think this is a team where players would consider that, especially if they're later in their careers and they haven't won a championship. The idea that it's almost guaranteed, well, not almost, it's guaranteed that you're going to be in the AFC championship at least, and it's highly likely that you're going to be in a Super Bowl, and there's a strong chance that you might win it. So, yeah, guys will give up a couple years or a couple million here or there, guys who have already made a bunch to get close to that because – why you play. Yeah. Yes, I think that's Belichick was able to do that for years with the Patriots. Negotiate deals that were a little more favorable to him because yeah. he'd say like, you know, you want to go make a couple more million dollars or you want to play in the Super Bowl every year? And, and th like, I think about like this. Like, a guy like Tyron Smith, right, for the Cowboys, who's played forever at left tackle. He's right. coming to the Jets. And, and all, and He's coming to play with Rodgers. Okay, so you're, you'd rather go to the Jets than the Chiefs? Don't. Yeah, you that, sell don't that. Make I'm not, I'm not you sell that to yourself. You sell I that. would. Okay, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I, guy, and I'm not saying he is, but I'm just saying right. Those kind of situations to me feel like like when we, we had these conversations about should Stefan Diggs be off of the bill? If you're Stefan Diggs, you tell me that ain't the first call. Like that's where you're going, and it doesn't matter about money at this point because we're gonna go get rings and money. I think those those type of conversations are different when you're sitting in Kansas City than anywhere else in the league. Well, and, and I also think that we were talking earlier on our call this morning about one more threat at receiver. I, I think that Trav I love Travis Kelsey. He's an all-time yeah. great. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. You can make an argument he's the greatest tight end of all time. Mm -hmm. I think his time as being a number one receiver in the NFL, if it isn't over, it's coming to that. It's just age is going to catch up. So I do think that is an area they may need to go. Unless Rasheed Rice you know, a, well, a, a blows up and becomes the next guy, then you start looking at the free agent receivers, the T. Higginses, yeah. the Mike Evanses, but, people like that. But, I mean, if, if it's going to cost to re-sign Chris Jones and he, and he can't afford to bring back Legarius Sneed and all these other guys that were on that graphic a minute ago, like, it's tough to find money to go get a free well, agent that's why I'm receiver. asking if they will take less money. Would a guy like... It like, have to be a lot less and, and, and to yeah. fit under the Chiefs cap. Look, I mean, it's a great receiver draft from everything we've been told. I know right. they're picking 32 again, but uh, they should be able and they'll restructure there. Mahomes to get more money. Like they'll, yeah, do, they'll they're, they're, they're going to do things that way to help this this team. They will find money for play. The, the whole cap thing. They'll find money that they need to find. I do. I do think though, like their receiving type deals. 
They, they're kind of like the Packers with a quarterback, right? Or even the Packers with receivers. They just don't. They, they didn't with Tyreek Hill, who's the best, possibly the best receiver in our game. And they're like, hey, we're going to let him move on because yeah. it puts a strain on us that we can't because but we I, have Mahomes. And this is I just probably, think it's hard. This is probably a broader conversation for some other time, but I think it's probably hard to play receiver in that offense. Like, I think it's ridiculous that they've brought in so many receivers and it seems like none of them have stuck. I think in part of, in part of that is having a relationship with Patrick that Travis had, that uh, Tyreek has, and that yeah. seems like Rice is having. So it's not a sure thing just because someone's yeah. really good That's a great that they're going to show up and be really good there. Yeah. We're going to find out. In the meantime, to the winners go the spoils. To the losers come a lot of questions. It was a nightmarish Super Sunday for Kyle Shanahan. Is their best chance of winning a championship now behind them? We're talking about it. Plus, a quarterback shakeup in Pittsburgh. We will tell you exactly who Mike Tomlin and the Steelers have their eye on for next year. Spoiler alert, it's a very good idea. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from $25 and under to $100 and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts or gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. Delicious, meat nutritious, and the snack that packs a real protein punch. Wonderful pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one-ounce serving has 6 grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you're on the go a lot, taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries. Well, the good news is, not only are wonderful pistachios a complete protein, providing all all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut, or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snacking game today. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. Snowy day outside here in New York, but we are cooking inside. Let's do an overreaction Tuesday, Graziano. These are all 49ers-based okay. overreactions. If someone said Brock Purdy will lead the Niners to at least one more Super Bowl, is that an overreaction? No, I think he, I think it's absolutely set up for Brock Purdy. I thought he played well in the playoffs and the Super Bowl. Uh, he's playing for Kyle Shanahan. He's, he's, he hasn't even had two full seasons as an NFL starter. I think the, I think the arrow is up for Brock Purdy, and I think the 49ers have shown they can build and maintain a competitive roster. I, I see no reason not to expect Brock Purdy to be back in the Super Bowl at some point. I'm with you. I thought he played great on Sunday. Next, if I said the 49ers made a mistake taking the ball to start overtime, is that an overreaction? It is not an overreaction. I certainly would have kicked it, and I think at this point, having seen the way it played out, most other teams 
uh, will agree. I think Kyle Shanahan's reasoning was he wanted to have the third possession because that's when sudden death starts. But that assumes a lot. Uh, it assumes that the third possession will ever happen, which, of course, in this case, uh, it didn't. And I think uh, it's a new thing. And obviously, it's easy to say there isn't a lot of experience, a lot of data to build your opinion on. But it seemed pretty obvious to me to kick it. If I may editorialize, not only is that not an overreaction, it is an underreaction to say it was simply a mistake. Meanwhile, speaking of the coach, if I said Kyle Shanahan will never win a Super Bowl, is that an overreaction? Oh, of course it's an overreaction. Man, is 44 years old. He's already been a head coach in two different Super Bowls. To think that he will never get back uh, to and win one is absurd. When Andy Reid was Kyle Shanahan's age, he had never been to a Super Bowl as a head coach. Uh, there's a long way to go for Kyle, and the guy that just beat him on Sunday night is the ultimate example of why you should not write him off at this stage in his career. I agree with you completely. I mean, for the record, and people will make a big deal of this, Shanahan is 0-3 now in Super Bowls. He was there the one time as an offensive coordinator in Atlanta, and his team had the double-digit lead, the 28-3 lead, of course, and lost, and they've had double-digit leads in these two Super Bowls against Kansas City and both times they lost. So people will look at that. And listen, we had a big argument earlier today about Kyle Shanahan and how much responsibility he gets for this loss. If you were with us, you know I feel he gets a lot of that responsibility. That doesn't mean that he isn't an excellent coach. That doesn't mean that he might, I think he is elite. This is going to sound like a terrible thing to say. Hembo says it on the radio. He's an elite coach Monday to Saturday. And there are some coaches who on Sunday need a little more help than maybe they get. So I'm not sure who it is who's helping him with his management of timeouts or some of the other things that is happening there. That might be an area they look into. But I, the fact that I thought Shanahan had a terrible day Sunday doesn't mean he isn't an excellent coach. I mean, I think saying Monday to Saturday is a little undersell. I mean, he's an elite play caller on Sundays. Yeah. There's no question about that. Maybe the best in the entire league. But we used to say the same stuff about Andy Reid. He can't manage the clock. He doesn't know when to take timeouts. Like, people evolve and change wait, and learn. Can, can well, I just well, no, can I, well, you, know, you know, the evolution is Patrick Mahomes. I understand That's the that. So, like, your evolution is your players bail you out of some of the decisions that you make that no longer become front-page news because you didn't lose the game or whatever. however that frames out. So, it's not just the coach. It's the players actually performing. You don't think Andy's gotten better uh, at timeouts and game management over the years? Sure. But I, I didn't. I didn't love the. I didn't love the Ravens win. Sure. I mean, I, I would like to kick the field goal up 17, right? So there's always going to be that argument. But let's also. If, can I put back that Hembo graphic that you had up there, uh, Chrissy? Because it points out. Kyle Shannon is elite play. Call. Look, I, it's going to sound like I'm destroying Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, you are. You that's are. not what no, I mean. No, yeah, you are. But what, part of being an elite play caller is calling the game to win the game. Right. He has outstanding talent. They've done a magnificent job. That scripting of plays early and everything works. But the play calling at the beginning of the third quarter, we have a lot of questions with. And they always get beat late in these games. Look at the numbers that are on your screen there. That's part of play like, calling okay, as well. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Like, Did they come back? against Green Bay on the final drive? Did they come back yeah. from a massive deficit yeah. against Detroit? Yeah. So when you say – you can't just say all games. Against yeah. Patrick Mahomes twice and Tom Brady once. Okay, so let, can we – let's yeah. – as much as we're going to pile on, let's at least give credit yeah. to the other side of being yeah. really freaking good <laughs> and making some You're enormous on, plays, right? You, like Tom Brady threw one in the face mask of the Atlanta Falcons that, did, that Edelman catches. Like there are breaks yeah. that have happened that have taken teams to do things – so don't just, like, pile on one guy. 
players also have you, to execute. You and Himbo have a cute little saying about Monday to Saturday or whatever. Yeah. You're basing that off of a couple of quarters in the biggest games of, of, of the season and of multiple seasons. So, does he deserve criticism? Yes. But honestly, it's starting to feel similar to the way that some of the conversation is around some of the quarterbacks and that it's like Josh Allen, he turns the ball over too much. Yeah. Like, you got to appreciate that there are some trade-offs. There are very few coaches in this league that I would take over Kyle Shanahan. Oh. Does, did he make mistakes? Yes. Can he improve? Of course. Hopefully he, he opens himself up to the possibility to do that, but it seems ridiculous to talk about this team having been in the Super Bowl not too long ago with a quarterback that nobody wants, now in the Super Bowl with a quarterback that was the last pick in the draft, an offensive line with holes in it, and uh, playmakers that have been good there, but we don't know how special they are outside of this except for Christian McCaffrey in a defense that's frankly falling off quite a bit. So yes, what he did at the end of the game was a problem. Yes, he should have gone for it. Yes, he's made mistakes. But let's not get carried away and act like he's not there. Like Man. 80% of the coaches in this league yeah. wouldn't get fired if Give Kyle me Shanahan wasn't Give me that. He, Give me that. Uh, common sense. But I don't think we're saying necessarily different things. You are. You said he's yeah. a bad coach on Sunday. Yeah. I think that he, in big games, has had terrible moments. You're going to tell me the 28-3 game, that the, the play clawing on offense did not play a significant role in them losing that game. You're going to tell me the not using the timeouts at the end of the second quarter of this Super Bowl was something anyone who's ever seen a football game could explain away. These are big mistakes. They're not little mistakes, and they come in the biggest moments because one of them definitely cost his team and franchise a Super Bowl that it has never won, and this one, it went some distance toward losing this then, Super Bowl then, as well. Then say that. Not he's a good coach. That is one Monday to saying. Saturday. No, you're acting like he's, Monday he's, he's terrible on Sundays. Or he made some big mistakes. And this is the point that Graz just made at the start of this that could have ended this whole conversation. Andy Dam Reed was the same one. He was the same guy that they were like, he's a regular season guy. In the big games, he doesn't know what to do. And it was accurate and fair based on decisions that he right. made. Right, that's exactly it. So do you know when we'll stop saying on that about Kyle Shanahan? When he does what Andy Reed has done and well, wins some of these so when games. Purdy out, so when Purdy makes the plays that Mahomes makes, we'll stop blaming Did Purdy have to play Mah outplay Mahomes for them to win that game on Sunday? Yeah. No, he didn't. Yeah. yeah, he had to make the play on the third down. You'd say you're Mahomes telling me his quarterback didn't play well enough no, to I win think that he game. He played plenty well. I'm, I'm just saying, what took Andy Reid over the top to even get in this top five conversation was Patrick Mahomes getting there. And and I, then winning I guess Super my Bowl. point is, I don't feel like I have to wait for him to win Super Bowls to acknowledge that he's a great coach. No, he's a great like, coach. I thought the same thing about Andy Reid back Absolutely. then. Absolutely, great coach. Can you get better? Yes. Yeah. Everybody can. Does Kyle need to reassess some things? Absolutely, he does. But he's still a great coach. Graz, final word. The Super Bowl's not the only thing in the world. When, when Andy Reid was Kyle Shanahan's age, he had never been to one. Kyle's already been to two. He's ahead of him in that respect. Right. Because he got fight hired very young. And Andy... So did Andy. Not as young. I mean, but, you not know, as young. Kyle Shanahan is young. someone we've known you're, about for 20 years. He's only 44 you're, you're right now. Wrong. You're just wrong. You know who's and, wrong? You're just wrong. You know who's wrong is Hembo. If it's Hembo that said the Monday to Saturday you don't think thing. That, you don't think that yeah. it's impressive that he got there with, with these two different quarterbacks? Yeah. He's a good like coach. That, I, I, no one impressive. is suggesting he's not a good coach. Right. So I, I, I'm I, saying there. when you look at the reasons his teams have lost the biggest games, he's part of that. Right, and nobody's arguing against that. He needs to get better. that can be made against any coach, any head coach of a team that loses. There's going to be something that the coach did that didn't give them prime right. examples. I'm up work. against the bottom of the hour. Oh, Come back Lord, to this. Let's talk about another coach. <laughs> Let's talk about Mike Tomlin. He's thinking about a significant quarterback shakeup in Pittsburgh. We'll tell you who he has his eye on 
coming up next. Spoiler alert, this is a very good idea. Plus, hail to the Chiefs. Where do they rank among the best dynasties in NFL history? The Green List will count down the top five. We'll see if Kansas City makes it. That's next. Get up, ESPN. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really... Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Back on Get Up, bottom of the hour here. Let's do some off-season burning questions. Dominique Foxworth, what is your burning question as the off-season gets underway? How will the Cowboys handle Dak Prescott's contract situation? As we talked about um, earlier this off, or excuse me, earlier in the playoffs, and we will a lot this off-season. He has all the leverage. They owe him $60 million against the cap. Mm. He has a no trade and a no franchise clause. And so whatever <laughs> Dak wants is what they're going to have to give him. So whether the, the family like it or not, family members of his teammates like it or not, Dak's going to get broke off. Hercules! We should I'm get so into, excited. We should get into that. We very seldom talk Cowboys on yeah, this we show. Should we should that. dive into yeah. that a little. <laughs> hey, Graziano, give me a burning question. I think I want to see how Joe Burrow recovers from his season-ending thumb injury, mm. how soon he's back to full strength. I think there's a lot of questions around Burrow and the Bengals this offseason. Are they going to be able to keep T. Higgins? He's going to have a new offensive coordinator for the first time with uh, Brian Callahan leaving to coach the Titans, and he's going to be coming off a major injury to his throwing hand. Uh, fascinated to see how he looks once the offseason gets going. All right, we'll keep an eye on Joe. And then, Jeffrey, what is your offseason burning question? Bears and quarterback. And I, listen, I, you, you know where I stand on this. If you're going to take Caleb Williams, I think you bring him in, but you keep Fields. How do they shake this? Are they going to try to trade Fields in this offseason and go all in on Caleb Williams? What does that look like with Eberflus sitting in the seat he is? Are they going to repeat what they've done uh, with Trubisky and Fields to this point? Very, very interested to see how this thing plays. No question. As the Bears were officially put on the clock on Sunday night, and we'll see how long they stay there. There is at least some possibility they trade the number one pick. It is more likely that the Bears will trade away Justin Fields, despite Jeff's protest. Yeah, he wants Yesterday, all the with McAfee, Shefty said the Steelers have significant interest in Justin Fields. Listen. We know that Pittsburgh's going to go out and get some type of quarterback, whether that's Ryan Tannehill, uh, whether that's Russell Wilson, oh, whether that's Justin Fields, oh. uh, who, who, Justin Fields, I know uh, Mike Tomlin's a big fan of Justin Fields. We'll keep that in mind during the offseason in the coming weeks. A little wry smile from our friend Shafty there. Uh, Mike Tomlin is a big fan of Justin Fields. That feels like a match 
made in heaven. I feel like he is. Now, he's what I would have thought the Steelers need. But someone explained to me why the hiring of their offensive coordinator, Arthur Smith, might make that make less sense. Well, I mean, I think it makes it make more sense because okay. he's athlete. We, we think of Arthur Smith, his most successful run was a strong running attack and an athletic quarterback and Ryan Tannehill play action off of that and the dual threat uh, of the quarterback in the running game. So I think bringing Arthur Smith in in uh, uh, Justin Fields makes it make sense. But I know Jeff as a center probably feels differently about yeah. how it's going to work out. Yeah, Arthur Smith is a guy who wants to go under center and all of his play action and his run game stems off of that. Justin Fields played based exclusively in gun in Ohio State and with the Bears they play gun it, it is a very different system I know to you get you guys don't ever want to talk about O-line play how run games actually work and function what this looks like it is a completely different and let me just tell you in Pittsburgh and the way they want to be physical and the way they want to play it it is much more difficult to do that with everybody five and a half yards off the ball first and foremost. So that to me, I'm much more an advocate for Russell Wilson being under center and doing it the way unless you get wow. Justin Fields brought up to speed on being under center and playing from that. So way. let me just make sure I'm clear on all this. You're suggesting you don't know that it's a good marriage because we're not sure that he can take a snap. I mean, yeah. the, the, what we're talking about the is the system that snap. Arthur Smith yeah. plays right. is going to ask him to do yeah. much more of that than you've ever done. And contrary to your belief, when it's all on the line and pressure does hit and all of a sudden the guy who hasn't taken 10,000 oh. snaps under center comes out or it pulls his hands out and the snap so, it matters I like don't it, think I don't think and you can correct me if I'm wrong you are a Hall of Fame center but I don't think the concern is as much about physically taking the snap, but it's being in that position. So right. you have to turn your back to do play action. Yes. Then a quarterback, if you're not comfortable with ever turning your back to the defense, that's something new. The run, the lanes, and the, the angle in which you're going to run the ball, that might be something different for Justin Fields. See, so you I talking real ball, baby. I, I, I personally think that Justin Fields is an incredible athlete. Mesh point, yeah. Yeah, I know about that mesh point. I play <laughs> a high school quarterback. I play running back, but I took the snaps. And they would – I think that Justin Fields is an athlete and can learn how to take a snap and can turn – turn around, yeah. turn his back to defense, and he'll be okay. I would just, to make the record clear, there was a moment in time on Mike and Mike where Quincy Carter was struggling to take the snap, and we reenacted it, and Mike snapped it to me, and I took it. Nice. Yes. Okay. I'm very proud of my <laughs> snap right. taking. So if you want to get a ball a little bit later, uh, Mr. Peyton Manning is taking snaps from you in the, in the Pro Bowl. I could take a snap if you want to do that. How many of your fingers did you injure? It hurt. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That's what I wanted it to know. It did hurt me and, a little and bit. And defensive got, lineman. He, he don't this. know what he's really got going. But he snapped it hard. I'm going to tell you right now. Go ahead. Yeah, I think that the question comes down to how you feel about Justin Fields' ability to develop, like new stuff. And I think the Bears reached a point with Justin Fields where they felt like, you know, there's there's some stuff that we can really lean into and there's some stuff that we, we don't know that he's ever really going to be great at. Now, maybe it's too early to make that kind of conclusion and maybe it isn't. But if you think, if you're Arthur Smith and you're committed to, to running from under center and, and the run game works off of that and play action and everything, and then and then you have, it comes down to whether you think Justin Fields can basically, I guess, learn that. Well, so let, look, if you're the, if a Steeler fan, I'm just speaking for that, do you want them to go out and sign Ryan Tannehill who's going to be 36 years old when next season begins and say, there's what we've been waiting for. Yeah. Russell Wilson is a little bit of a different, interesting possibility because of the contract situation. He's going to cost you next You're, to he's free. nothing. You can build, yeah, build everything around Practically free. That's There's right. a, you know, a veteran minimum or whatever. Right. But you could pay him next to nothing. Which is massive. I like that uh, from a contract standpoint, but from an uh, upside and execution standpoint, I would be more excited if I were a Steelers fan about bringing Justin Fields. Oh, yeah. If I'm, if I'm a general manager or I'm a franchise player, I'm getting excited about how little um, 
uh, Russell Wilson costs, but if I want to have success, and I think the, and Justin the Fields Justin has been Fields, very good. But if you bring Justin Fields in, you're going to have to give him a long-term contract, right? That's correct. So, so you are you're, well, you're, you're, you don't have to. Okay, but, but you're going to. He's probably so one, you're not you're not trading for him unless you're going to do that. So again, now you're talking about impacting your salary cap as you're going to move forward. It's just a, it, to me, the, the, the better play would be Russell Wilson. And if I'm Justin, if I'm Justin Fields, I'm going to Atlanta. Let me throw like, another name Falcons, in here. Let's go, baby. Let me That's throw another, yeah, 100%. 100%. 100%. a sneaky little name. All right, we got Russell Wilson. Interesting. Justin Fields, certainly very interesting. Kirk Cousins will be a free agent. We'll see if that's yep. interesting. But we have sneaky big news that Graziano shared with us this morning in our meeting, and I think it is worthy of mention mm. here. Yeah, Geno Smith's situation is interesting in Seattle. He has no guaranteed money for this year, but he has a $12.7 million salary that becomes guaranteed if he's still on the roster five days after the Super Bowl, which is Friday. So the yeah. Seahawks have a decision to make, and then then is a $9.6 million roster bonus uh, that they, it would be due on the fifth day of the league year in March. Uh, so that's another deadline. But if, if hypothetically, the Seahawks, who have a new coaching staff, decide that they want to move on to some other, something else at quarterback, which I'm not sure why they would want to. The guy's 11th yeah. in QBR over the right. last two years. But again, different people, different ideas. Yeah. If that happens, it's possible it could happen this week. How crazy wow. is that? I know. That, um, that Geno Smith has, like, jumped over all these quarterbacks in this short period of time because I think it's a no-brainer. If that crazy stuff happens and they decide, uh, Mike McDonald decides that he wants to start anew a and Geno Smith becomes a free agent, then everyone should be, or becomes available, then yeah. everyone should be ready to Boy, go you get You better Geno hope Smith. you get a really good quarterback in Seattle because that, right. that, dude, that dude has stood yeah, the ground really for that good. squad. If, hypothetically, this were to happen, he would not have to wait till the start of free agency right. either. He'd be a street free agent. He could sign with somebody next week, a la uh, Derek Carr last year. Yeah. I'm just looking. Yeah. I want to remind Ooh. myself of the Seahawks. You know, they have all those picks and everything else. W where would the Seahawks draft? If they're thinking of, of drafting yeah. a rookie quarterback, they draft 16th. No. So, well, you're in, you know, the Michael Penix area there if you wanted to. He's local. I mean, you know, he played at Washington. Straight up. Look, the, the, move up. the Seahawks did a lot of work on last year's quarterbacks. They were picking fifth, and, and the top three were gone by the time they picked. We don't know if they would have taken Anthony Richardson if he had still been there. So they were at least looking around at quarterback when they were high in the draft last year. They know they need a long-term solution. Geno's 33. Like, again, this is, I mean, the dudes are playing. I'm just saying ever. don't rule it out. I'm, I'm with you. Like this sneak. jumps out to me. I know it's not something that we talked about, but we're having this conversation about free agent quarterbacks and Michael Penix. Like, we've come a long way as far as black quarterbacks are concerned. Yeah, it's just think? Like, congratulations to the white people <laughs> of the NFL for, like, putting their racism aside because we're having a conversation a about a bunch of quarterbacks that are um, attractive in free agency, and they're all black. And then it's Michael Penix also. I'm sorry if it made everybody uncomfortable. My bad, but I just ah, wanted to congratulate you. shed the tear. It is what I, it I, is. I'm, I'm proud of y'all. Good job. <laughs> Great right. job. That McKenna show you Congratulations. Some Want to see something else that might bring a tear to your eye? Uh, Anthony Edwards, one of my favorite players in the NBA, but this is a moment he's not going to love here. Uh, watch him working with Paul George. Oh. Oh. oh, my goodness. Where is he? I don't see him anymore. You yeah, reach, I teach. You <laughs> reach, I teach. No, that's you play basketball, that's your you, I, was a, I, I would foul. I was a, I was a foul. Yeah. I, was a foul I didn't play basketball. I played athlete on the basketball court. Yeah. So you just I run fast. I didn't, I didn't do that either. Yeah. <laughs> I was I, a wrestler. I run fast. I played a different position. <laughs> <laughs> miss yeah. shots, get rebounds, and yeah. run fast. Yeah. That was it. I can miss oh. shots. <laughs>
Man, it's hard when you can only grab the rim. If you can't dunk, it's hard to play. You know, ATL, Shorty. Oh, yeah. I have found that to be the case. I was taken off of the chess team for being 2 1 athletic. So that's a whole other conversation for a whole other time. Our next NBA Wednesday doubleheader starts in Cleveland. You'll see Donovan Mitchell and the Cavs taking on the Bulls, 7 30 Eastern. Then the star power. You got the Clippers taking on Steph. You got Kawhi versus Steph. Good stuff. Our coverage starts with NBA Countdown 7 Eastern on ESPN and the ESPN app. Okay, we're saving the best for last. Where does the Chiefs dynasty rank in Super Bowl history? Going back to the beginning of the Super Bowl era, where does this rank among the top dynasties? I will tell you in the green list. Plus, here we go, Graziano. The Chiefs had the 15th ranked scoring offense this year and they won the Super Bowl. Which Super Bowl champion had the lowest ranked scoring offense ever? Answers next. Easy. 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 Richard Pryor, famously playing America's first black president, once said, as long as it's going to be football, going to be some black in it somewhere. Look at the league now. The Raiders tout the first NFL team ever with an all-black leadership group. Melody Hobson and Condoleezza Rice are the first black women to be a part of an NFL ownership group with the Denver Broncos. And Magic Johnson, who's invested in several teams from the Los Angeles Football Club to the LA Dodgers, expanded his empire to include a minority stake in the Washington Commanders. Make no mistake about it, a lot still has to be done in terms of diversity at the game's highest levels, including majority ownership by multiple black owners. But a shift is happening. All right, we continue on Get Up, and, and here we go. This is a tough question. I, I, I'm reading the look on Graziano's face. I think he thinks he knows it. Which Super Bowl champion mm-hmm. had the lowest ranking in scoring offense? Yeah, so I, I go back to a team that our friend Ryan Clark played on. It was the 2008 Steelers. It was the year James Harrison won Defensive Player of the Year. It was a couple years after they had won it with Jerome Bettis, but they didn't have the same kind of piece on offense. I've heard RC tell me about how they felt like they had to score on defense that year. I'm going with the 2008 Steelers, and I'm pretty sure I'm right. May I just do this? You are incredible. Incredible. Ah, That is correct. That is the hardest freaking question we've ever done. Shout out, RC. It is the 2008 Steelers. They had the 20th 20th ranked scoring offense that year. That's a miracle that you got that right. It's yeah. not even I thought, fun. I thought it was the I thought it was the Ravens. They're not with, even with, top with, three. With, with Ray Lewis when Trent Dilfer didn't score a point for like a month. And yet they're not that I high on this list. The they were not that high on the list. Played that defense. That Graziano nine, Hembo four. You're starting to pull away. It's and well hard. done. It's already over. Only starting. All right, guys, stay close because I want to do my green list here, and then I want to want your reaction to it. So the green list. As for today, I am going to right now give you the definitive list of the top five NFL dynasties of the Super Bowl era. So this does not go back to the Cleveland Browns in the 1950s. This only includes the Super Bowl era teams. At number five, I'm calling it Patriots 2.0. 
The Belichick-Brady Patriots had two separate little dynastic runs. Their first one not as impressive as their second. From 2014 to 2018, they were in at least the AFC Championship game five straight years. They made the Super Bowl four times. They won three of them, including the 28-3 comeback in Super Bowl 51. They are the fifth greatest dynasty of the Super Bowl era. At number four, I'm putting what we are living in right now. Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey. The Chiefs have won three Super Bowls, but it's not just that. You must take into, into account the totality of it. Every year, at least in the AFC Championship game, four Super Bowl appearances and three championships in that time and still rolling. This is a team that has a chance to move up based on its youth and its outstanding nature. Right now, I put them at four behind Joe Montana's 49ers. They won four Super Bowls in a nine-year span. Two of them came before Jerry Rice. They won the first one against the Bengals in 81. They won their last one in an absolute demolition of the Broncos in 89. That group of 49ers led by Montana and most of it Bill Walsh, historically outstanding. And number two, the Steel Curtain. They won four Super Bowls in the 70s. Two of them and then two more back-to-back -back years. 74, 75, 78, 79. The entire roster loaded with Hall of Famers, including the head coach, and the years in which they didn't make it to the Super Bowl, they made at least the AFC Championship game. They definitively deserve to be at number two on this list. But number one are the Lombardi Packers. Now, I know that only two of their championships count in the Super Bowl era, but it cannot be ignored that that team, that group, won five championships in a seven-season span. They had 13 Hall of Fame players on their roster during that seven-season span, and they were coached by the man who the trophy is named for today. So the Vince Lombardi Packers are the number one dynasty in NFL history, at least as far as the Super Bowl era is concerned. I'm not including anything that comes before that, but again, I don't think you can shortchange those Packers because that team did win the first two Super Bowls. So I put them at number one ahead of the Steelers. Montana's group, I think, is the one the Chiefs can get. They are a long way away from the Steelers and the Packers, I think. But the next one up on the list is their next opportunity to move up. Why are you looking at me like that? I mean, the, the list is great except for the Packers. Like, I, I can't. It was black and white out there. It's like the early stage. Well, actually, it was white and white out there. It's the early <laughs> stage. I'm not here for your Plessy Ferguson-ass uh, championships. Let's, I, I want to get down to 70s, 80s, 90s. Those matter to me. The, the Packers, obviously, they started it, but they are better than these groups. Like, it was the early stages of football. We didn't even know if the Super Bowl was going to persist. Like, it was not... Well, they were the reason it now. almost didn't, because they so dominated and Kansas gave City them, and Oakland. And we gave the trophy the title. That's enough um, appreciation. They I had think 13 that... Hall of Famers on their teams, and their coach was Vince Lombardi. Right. Pretty tough to beat. The quarterback was Bart Starr. His career playoff record is 9-1. and one. Yeah, I, I, listen, I think part of my issue with any is, is that the salary cap yeah. changes that were made made it much more difficult for this to happen than all of this to happen. Because you just said it. You kept 13 Hall of Famers together. <laughs> yep. You can't do that anymore. Right? You can't keep 13. So, so the issue becomes how do you build and develop those teams repeatedly? I think that's a much more difficult. You are 100% right. However, the question <laughs> is not which were the five hardest dynasties to keep together in pro football history. It's the greatest dynasties. Right. It is the ultimate tribute to Belichick and Brady that during their tenure together 
over those 20 yeah. years. They had two dynasties Unreal. that are worthy of consideration. They had another three out of four right. in that stretch. What they did, I agree with you, is harder. But their teams, if you lined them up relative to era, could right. never have played with the Steelers or the Packers. Those are the greatest football teams over a, over a considerable period of time of all time. I mean, the difficulty does matter, though. <laughs> like, I, I find it more impressive. Yes. So, yeah, I think that the Packers deserve credit for what they did at their time. But I'm more impressed by how – like, we're talking about Mahomes' most, two most recent titles. The reason why we're so impressed by them is because of how challenging it was for that team yes. that was slightly depleted going up against some really great teams. I also think you're shortchanging the Patriots by separating out the two dynasties yeah, just because they didn't win Super Bowls in that in that one stretch. It there went was 10 years between championships. It's in, very hard. The only in, threat. In one of those years, they went 16 or no. I mean, like, like they were still great. They were, they were a 12-14 win division champion team every single I year. I understand. So, so, so this is a good debate to have, and this is one that we can continue to have. And by the way, it'll be made very much available in an upcoming book in September called Got Your Number, <laughs> well, Got Your Answers, that Hembo and I are doing. I don't believe you can call them a dynasty and put them together because the only threads of commonality are Belichick and Brady. Right. The entire coaching staff changed yeah. over. The Every other player on the roster changed over. Right. So that first group was Brewski's group and yep. Vrabel and all of those guys. Right. The second group is Gronk Wrong. and Edelman and yes. all. They're not the same team. The only commonalities are the uniforms, the quarterback, and the coach. That's fair, but the quarterback and the coach are normally how we define this. When you went through right. all these lists, you know who you we're talking about quarterbacks and coaches. And, and even the 49ers had to switch coaches uh, later in their run. If you're going to include those two as one group, uh -huh. then they're unquestionably yeah. number one. Number yeah. one. Nothing is even close the entire to what they did. one to, to whatever. Right, yeah. exactly. And that's but right. If you're limiting it to when they won Super Bowls, you're taking out the chunk of the middle. Yes, two separate. But again, they were still great in that time. And as they phased those players out, they helped bring the other ones along so they contributed to the continuation it, of the culture. It's just hard if to they win, how if, many teams you had, how you could keep teams together, like all yeah. those kind of things. Having fewer teams doesn't necessarily make it easier. It means the talent is less spread out. I guess, so, yes, there were fewer teams to beat, but the teams themselves I do have a greater like collection of good players. The popularity of the sport impacted at the right. talent in the league. So I think that the talent in the league, it's the most popular sport, and it has been for a few decades Understood. Now. The talent in the league is tougher in right. post-93, keeping teams together. But you can only be great relative to the yeah, era in fine. which you sure. played. The, again, they had 13 Hall of Famers. It's unbelievable. I and and probably the, the person who I think is almost universally considered yeah. the greatest coach of all time until Belichick came along. Yeah. I don't know. Look, at the end of the day, the bottom line is this your opinion. Uh -huh. And then there's the list. <laughs> and the list is right. So you say what you will about the opinion uh, no. beyond that. First take is coming up top of the hour. Are you taking the Chiefs or the field to win next year's Super Bowl? Plus, did Brock Purdy do enough in the big game to silence his super doubters? Molly, Shannon, Jeff, and more. Top of the hour on ESPN. All right, our ACC-SEC Super Tuesday doubleheader starts in Syracuse. Orange take on number seven, Carolina, seven Eastern. That's followed by Kentucky and Old Miss at nine. That's tonight at uh, on ESPN here starting at nine Eastern. Nick is hoping his train is going to go. Yeah. we got some serious weather here. You going to make it? I don't know if it doesn't. I'm coming to your crib. We're watching Richard Pryor all night long. For sure, but we're not watching football because we've done that once oh. before. That didn't work out at yeah. all. Graziano and I be on radio. First take starts now.